The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play at your table and on your television. You can think of us as the remote work and canceled activities of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who lives for remote work, Josh, how are you doing this evening? Hey. <coughs> Doing okay. <laughs> uh, no remote work for this guy, though. I definitely uh, find it funny people are complaining about having to do remote work. And also, at the same time, can appreciate how life-disrupting that must be, especially if they yeah. have kids at home. But, um, yeah, I still got to go to work. So, uh, my wife does too. So, we're, we're definitely in this... In this uh, working from work uh situation where uh people just all day are terrified and screaming so it doesn't really <laughs> at, each, at each other and about things so right it's almost worth quitting over <laughs> well i mean <laughs> that might be tough i mean yeah. hey you gotta do what you gotta do but uh <laughs> this is okay so i i don't want to try i'm definitely not minimizing anything that's going on right now or that is not my intent but this is just really like odd right like this is an odd situation to be in Yes, it's it's uh, 100% bizarre uh, for sure, and like uh, like I say to people, and people say to me, uh, I've never experienced anything like this in my entire life on this right. planet. So, not only is it bizarre, but nobody knows what to do or how to do it, and that does not exclude um, from my complaint um, leadership in my position. <laughs> Or in my city, so it's right. also frustrating. Um, but you kind of have to give people some slack too, and, and oh, I think sure. I think that's the most frustrating part for me is uh, trying to give people slack. Because if I was in their shoes, I think this is universal. Uh, I feel like they would be very big shoes to fill at the moment. Oh, absolutely, they would be very challenging too. And okay, so you obviously we both work in education. Yes. Is are your schools <laughs> closed? Like, what's going on with your schools? So my my schools are closed. They close on Friday um, for the day, and then uh, here in Massachusetts, a lot of w- things have been uh, all over the place. Uh, mm-hmm. Where our superintendent sent out a message saying we're not planning on canceling school, and then ne- the next day they cancel, <laughs> and then they send <laughs> out a message <laughs> we'll be open on Monday, and then two hours later they send out a message saying. No, we're not. We're not opening back up until April sixth. Oh, okay. And then our governor says no gatherings more than twenty five people uh, in an area. And then we our superintendent sends out a message. Uh, schools will be open Monday um, for teachers to come in between the hours of eight and noon to get their things. And then Tuesday, schools will be open from ten to six. For any student and parent to come and get their things. But, you know, 
you can't right. have gatherings of 25 people or more. <laughs> Someone have like a bouncer at the front. <laughs> well, that's a bigger problem, right? Because there's just going to be a thousand students outside the front doors trying to get in all right, in right, one right. mass group of people. <laughs> and that's every school in the city. And like Perfect. my school has, you know, whatever it is. Right, two hundred people that go there or something like that. So yeah, uh, it should be fun. And and uh, typically when there's no school, custodians work seven to three, and they alerted us today. We'll be sticking to the two to ten shift, which uh, makes no sense because the schools will be closed. So right, why do we have to be there at night? <laughs> that that is very odd. That is how about, very odd. How about you? What's going on at your school? So just to clarify, really quick, maybe if you all worked, seven, if everyone worked seven to three, that'd be too many people. <laughs> It's a big building. No, no, we don't I, have we don't have okay, that many custodians know. on staff. I, didn't know. I just meant in general because if all the administrators and stuff are going to be there too, no, no, I didn't yeah, know. they're not allowed. Okay, so yeah, so we are. Uh, my university is. We are going on spring break this coming week. So the episode, the day this episode release, will be on spring break, uh, and then for through April third, currently we are doing remote instruction. So no one's coming back after spring break. However, I have to go to work every day. So I'm yeah. still going to work. Um, however, if a student wants to meet with me who like lives locally or something like that, they we still have to use technology to meet. That's so they good. cannot come to my office and meet with me. Um, but like our residence halls are still open. Our dining centers are still open. Uh, so all of that is still functioning and running. I think the hope is for most people that students just aren't going to come back after spring break until that after that April 3rd date, unless it gets extended. Uh, but I, I have a sneaky suspicion, as someone who worked in university housing for many, many years, a lot more students are going to come back than they think, unless they tell them specifically not to come back. Yeah. Um, but we're taking a lot of, for in my state, we take a lot of direction, and we can only kind of do what the Board of Regents tells us to do. So and that's not good or bad it just is kind of the way things go so we're just kind of following instructions from there and, and kind of doing that thing but yeah they just got rid of all domestic travel too so we can't even travel domestically unless it's required uh and That's we have to like go through good. an approval process and all this other good stuff so like no well, which is hard though, like because if your job is admissions oh, yeah. and going to recruit people, yeah, like, you yeah can't, that's tough, you know. So, and that's not my job, but you know, that's that is a thing that people do, and they've modified like all of our student visits and stuff, so people can still come visit, but there's like only like there's a modified visit day. There's only like five people who can come. Like they've done a lot of changes to a lot of the things of of how things are functioning. So, uh, but it was interesting because I went to I live in a small town, not too far from um where my institution is, and I went grocery shopping today because you know. I know we're supposed to stay home, but you got to have food, right? So yeah. went grocery shopping. Um, there was, other than toilet paper, uh, my store wasn't out of anything. Everything was there. All the produce you wanted, all of the everything you wanted was there. So apparently my town's like, whatever. Uh, the, actually, the funny thing was, is my grocery store had on sale things you think would be a good idea to have at this time of year yeah. or for in this situation. And they just still had more left. So it was like macaroni and cheese and pasta and like all of those things were on sale. It's funny because so, at my store, you could see that they ripped off sale tags on things that right. were clearly on sale before we got there. <laughs> right. so, yeah, uh, so. And today they just announced um, every restaurant is only allowed to do takeout orders now. No one can enter restaurants. Yeah. And I'm wondering how many restaurants they let know that before the governor went on live TV and said that. And if people were watching in the bar. Right. <laughs> and then just to get kicked out. Like, <laughs> Be like, I guess we have to go. <laughs> 
Yeah, that is interesting. This is so unprecedented for uh, at least in the United States, right? And maybe you know my ignorance and bias, and this is a thing that's happened elsewhere. Uh, but this is just very interesting, and I do wonder, you know, what is the responsibility of corporations and all these other places to when it comes to like worker pay and all of this stuff, like. If you're working in the restaurant business, if you're a server and now suddenly you can only do takeout orders. Yeah, it's bad now news. What? It's bad news for a lot of people, unfortunately. And and I because it is unprecedented, I don't think there right. is any like legalese for companies to have to follow to pay their employees. Right. So it's it's unfortunate. And like we were complaining because today, you know, we found out today, this afternoon, what we're supposed to be working tomorrow and for the right. for, and for the for the week and we have to take we have to figure out childcare and if if daycares are even open right and like and and you know it comes down to that too like the first your first instinct is to be like well they don't care about their employees because they're not you know giving people time but um you have to imagine that sometimes for this situation that might not even cross their mind yet like it right. might have crossed their mind on Sunday at 5 p.m. because they have to deal with getting lunches to kids, figuring right. out how to get homework to kids. And then they go, oh, man, uh, what about our employees' kids? Right. So, like, who knows? Or, you know, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because it's a crazy situation. But Right. Well, that's the hard thing, too, you know being in and we won't talk about this for too much longer because obviously we're supposed to be talking right. about games but obviously this is kind of a big thing um but that's the big you know obviously i, like I talked about my university has residence halls and dining centers and those are still open and some people are really upset about that but you know on the flip side of that we have international students so where if we just closed everything like where do they go we have you know students who have um, situations where they might not have a home to go to. So if we just close these residence halls or like go figure it out, like what are they supposed to do? Where are they supposed to go? How are they supposed to handle that situation? And, you know, so that's why you hope that when you have people who can be elsewhere, that they will choose to be elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, it's like, what do you do for all of the employees? Like if you, ha if we have a dining services, but, and then we have a ton of fa of staff who like typically serve students, but suddenly those students aren't there anymore they're not getting hours so they're not getting paid like do they take have to take vacation like how does all of that work right hopefully uh, this is definitely going to be difficult for a lot of people but hopefully yeah. this is a learning event and it doesn't get politicized and it's just something that that the government focuses on fixing in case it ever happens again or right. fixes it now so next week people can start getting paid right or, no. or whatever the case may be yeah and, you know, some places are doing a good job of, of giving their employees time and, yeah. and paying them still or letting them work remotely to the best extent that they can and paying them still. But there's a lot of industries where that's just not really a, a, a huge possibility ne necessarily. And, you know, if a restaurant closes, it's not making any revenue. So how is it supposed to pay its employees? We just had the you biggest, know? one of the biggest breweries in, in the world, Treehouse, which is right near me. Right. They have been open for this past four days and they built like these quarantine zones for their employees so you could still go and and um you know support them and then today they just announced like heartbreakingly they're going to have to for the safety of people shut down but they're like we're gonna lose all of our fresh beer because it's not made it's not fermented so it's not made to last right more than two weeks necessarily um so they're gonna have to give it away 
and not make a profit and not pay their employees because they have to send them home. Like it definitely is heartbreaking for small businesses. um, Yeah. And people who, yeah, I mean, it's just insane. It really is crazy. um, The logistics of this and, and yeah, how people are handling it. And I know like, we have some listeners who work for Lowe's and, and they're like paying their employees. Yeah. Uh, which is really nice of them. That is and nice of them. Very nice of them. You have people, I can't speak for you, but like who are in my spot where we don't know what's going to happen. Right. So like there's like this, like it's just kind of all over the place. So yeah. if you are at home and comfortable and you can stay home and you know you're getting paid, I I encourage you to stay home and, and enjoy yeah. well not enjoy but like you know try to keep yourself occupied and right and then if you're not one of those people i mean like me like kyle maybe like my yeah. wife like just keep on you gotta roll with it unfortunately it's just yeah. something that we have to hope the best for yeah and if push came to shove i could 100 percent do my job from home yeah you know uh, i mean i could so uh, we just haven't been told we have to do that yet. So we'll see what happens, though, because obviously, you know, my campus is a decent sized campus. We have well over a thousand employees. So there's going to be a lot of people there. We, you know, granted, we're pretty spread out, but still. All right. Well, hey, let's get to the things that we're here to talk about today, despite <laughs> all of this. And some, and maybe something that is taking us away from all of the typical things. And that's some games. So I'm going to skip the housekeeping where you all know where to find us. Find us on Twitter at Board with VG and all that good stuff. So we're going to skip all that since we did a longer than usual intro. We're just going to go talking about the games we've been playing on our tabletop. Josh, what have you been up to with that, sir? Oh, well, you know. Oh, see. I gotta put my phone away because I'm I keep getting announcements of this coronavirus news. No, I know. I, uh, I actually had to put my phone away because I keep getting updates from work. So Trump let the military know that the government is going to quarantine the entire country for 14 days. Going to make the announcement in two days. So when this drops, <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. You we'll will be likely quarantined. be quarantined with the rest of us. <laughs> uh, that'll be fun. Okay, so. We sat down on Friday night because I I got to work Friday day uh, and played a board game. And it's funny because we started to play Valley of the Kings and I forgot that everything needs to be sleeved. Oh, yeah. I was like, and it's a 60 minute game. So I was like, okay, let's put this one away. (laughs) Uh, So we busted out uh, Ascension, Skulls and Sails, which uh, my wife likes Ascension. So I thought this would be like an easy... Like, we know the basic rules, so we should mm-hmm. be able to play. Uh, what's very interesting about Ascension Skulls and Sails, if you check out our Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you can see pictures of the game. It 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 has the base gameplay of Ascension, but it's actually uh, very different the way it plays. Gotcha. Uh, so uh, there are some things I would change about the rule book like right away because it says... When regarding um, where you put cards, which are on the sides of the board, uh-huh. how's it the center row? But there actually is a center row where oh. your ships go. So interesting. Okay, it's a little uh, confusing how they right. s- they worded that. Um, but uh, that might be my only real complaint. Uh, there is a kraken in the game, mm-hmm. uh, which is a uh, uh, level nine power um, bad guy. If you know Ascension. Um, that will make sense to you. Yep. Um, I'm not, and I'm sorry if I don't explain Ascension rules um, to you, uh, then I'm kind of going based on the assumption that people know how to play 
uh, based Ascension without explaining it. Uh, in the game, essentially, essentially, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you pick a you pick a ship, um, and the ship is just um, how you like to look. It does not give you any bonuses. Um, like mine was like a giant sea turtle, which is pretty cool. It has a dial on the bottom, which uh, is a crew counter. It goes from zero to nine. And uh, crew are, well, they're basically uh, either recruit or attack points that you can use as you accrue your crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and you spend those, but when you spend those, it's it doesn't replenish. You have to keep earning crew to get those. When you start the game, you start your... The, you have a 10-card deck. You start by drawing five cards from that deck. You have um, Apprentices and Militia. So Militia provide you attack. I am going to explain Ascension. <laughs> and Apprentices uh, supply you with recruit points or gold, however you wanted to, to think of it, but it's how mm-hmm. you acquire cards. When you set up the board, if you look at the pictures online, there is, on the top of the, of the board, there is a cultist which is a bad guy you can always defeat in case mm-hmm. there aren't any bad guys you can afford to defeat on the board there's a draw pile a discard pile called the void which is where all the monsters and hero cards are that you can recruit and then there are mystics and heavy infantries which are basically upgrades to your starting hand so an apprentice gives you one recruit a mystic gives you three mm-hmm. a militia gives you one attack a heavy uh, infantry gives you two attack okay um, and you can always acquire those if you don't have enough to acquire cards in the middle of the board. Then you draw your deck, you fill out the sides of this board. Now, what's different from this game than Ascension is you can't, in Ascension, when you are playing your hand, you can just recruit any or recruit or defeat any visible cards in the main row. Um, this one is not the case. You actually have to have your ship in the location adjacent to or not adjacent to, in the same spot as the card in that spot. So on your first turn, you're basically, you just put your ship on the board. Simple as that. Um, on subsequent turns, you move one space uh, in uh, to an adjacent space, and they are there's a water flow-like connection where you can move your ships. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a raid ability. Uh, only, depending on, some cards tell you you can raid, some abilities let you do it, and you can raid an opponent's ship if you're on the same space as them. Mm-hmm. Unless a card tells you you can raid a ship anywhere you want on the board. Um, and what you do when you raid is you steal gold or treasure from your opponent. Right. And treasure is valuable at the end of the game for victory points. Uh, you also can get treasure from defeating bad guys. And what, what am I missing? Sometimes when a monster comes out onto the board, it has a fate ability, which triggers immediately. Now, they typically are either like move your ship two spaces toward this card or mm-hmm. move your ship one space toward the Kraken, uh, et cetera. The Kraken is at the very bottom of the board. If you go into right. the Kraken space, it steals a treasure from you if you have one. You can also fight the Kraken. Right. Um, if you defeat the Kraken, you become the Kraken. Mm-hmm. And then you keep that card in front of you the whole game. And essentially, it lets you raid every turn if you're in the same space as an opponent. We play two players. The game's playable up to four. Right. It would be very hectic at four. I think it would still be enjoyable. Um, but one of the biggest things we noticed about this, because my base ascension, I have so many expansions, you hardly ever see the same card twice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, in base games like this, where it's just one set, you end up in Ascension, at least, typically seeing the same types of monsters frequently, um, as well as sometimes you see the same heroes you can recruit. Right. Um, and what you're doing is you're recruiting heroes, which give you abilities. Uh, you play your abilities to um, re- acquire new cards in the in the wherever you are in this game, essentially, mm-hmm. um, and defeating monsters. And you're you're doing this to gain honor. You in a two player game, there's an honor pool of sixty, and the game plays until the honor pool is empty, and then you uh, count up your victory points and your honor, and the person with the most is the winner. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, mm-hmm. If anyone hasn't played any Ascension games, it's still probably my favorite deck builder. And this mm-hmm. game, while it's different, it's different from Ascension. It's it kind of rekindled my like um, love for Ascension because I haven't I haven't played more than just the app in a long time. Right. Um, I still like actively play on on the app, but uh, it's very fun. I like the pirate theme. It definitely changed it up a lot. Um, uh, where you don't feel like you're just getting an Ascension expansion. You actually right. feel like it's a different Ascension game. Um, so yeah, Ascension Skulls and Sails. I really enjoyed this one. When did it come out? Oh, it came out last year, I believe. Okay. So I thought, so here's my question for you. And this is not in any way to diminish um, your enjoyment of the game. How many, if you had to guess, the original base Ascension, which came out way back in 2010, which is kind of ridiculous to think about that that game's a decade old now. Um, how many ratings do you think Ascension has on Board Game Geek? How many ratings? Yeah, Ascension, like how many? Oof. The, the the original one. I don't know, fifteen hundred. Eleven thousand one hundred and nineteen. <laughs> I meant <Okay>. eleven thousand. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Eleven thousand. It was a lot. I had no idea what that. Eleven thousand one hundred nineteen. How many ratings would you guess Ascension Skulls and Sales has? Also, let me tell you, that was fake news, what I told you at the beginning of our starting, apparently, oh. uh, <laughs> which is what happens in pandemics, apparently. Lots of fake news yes. comes out. Yes, it's true. Uh, well, the, what you're making me think is that there would be a lot more based on your questioning, but let me guess, 150. 96. <laughs> oh, okay. So, now granted, there's been a decade for people to rate Ascension, Yeah. the original deck builder, over 11,000 ratings, Skulls and Sails. Has 96 ratings. Do you think Ascension has kind of run its course? Do you think this is that Ascension is time for it to take a break or move on or do something different? Well, it's definitely about to do something different. So, yes, it's probably time for them to do something different. They do because they have the deck builder with minis coming, right? Deck builder, dungeon crawler, or something like that. Yeah. So basically, Clank. But Ascension? Uh, maybe. We don't really know what the heck it's yeah. going to be. I mean, there's not really... I wouldn't say Clank has miniatures. That's true. It does not. It could. It easily could. Yeah, it definitely could. But uh, yeah, we'll see what they do. But uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you. Um, there's definitely room for it to change. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I guess it's probably taking more of the Munchkin route where you know what to expect from every game. Right. Um, and And maybe they're still making money on it, but people just don't review it anymore or maybe right. people aren't buying it i'm not sure um but yeah like we haven't bought a, like the past four expansions to the main okay. game i think um but because it's just i actually just said this to my wife the other night what i want to do is i want to go back and separate all my sets because they have they have they're all in one big giant main box oh right right 
put all the expansions back in their original boxes and then play like Ascension and one or two expansions and then mix it up every time we play. There are sets out there like Dreamscapes that adds a new uh, mechanic Mm -hmm. that like two other expansions use, um, but none others. So I might want to keep those ones together. Um, But there's so many expansions. It's kind of like Legendary, except... Legendary is more streamlined, I think, with how they manage Marvel Legendaries are with how right. they manage um, adding as you individually add heroes and villains, whereas you're not adding in like I think if I pull out my Ascension game, mm-hmm. it probably has over two thousand cards in it just to acquire right. in a regular game, <laughs> so it's yeah. a little like overwhelming. Yeah, I think it is because it says here. Um, and this is the the interesting thing about Ascension, like the base game, is that there are expansions, but those are mostly like promo cards because technically, I think basically all the Ascension expansions can be played standalone, right? Yeah, they're te- te- technically their own sets. Yeah, yeah. So they are listed as integrations, and it integrates with seventeen other sets. The base yeah, game. That's crazy. So yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. That is a lot of things that they and have. They're big. For they're big sets too. It's not just right. like a little like add on. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, and I think, but anyway, the reason I asked the question is I wonder. Someone like I enjoy base ascension. I haven't played it a ton lately, and like you, really in the last probably five years that I've played ascension for me, it's pretty much always just been the app. Yeah. Do you think that something like Skulls and Sails is different enough for someone like me who's like, I like Ascension, but I don't, you know, I'm not in a situation where I've bought many of the latest expansions or sets. Is it different enough for someone like me to go in and play it and feel like it's different and worth it? I mean, you say that you don't have a lot of expansions. So maybe in that situation where you haven't maybe played Ascension so much or with all these expansions, Mm -hmm. it might be worth it. Okay. I don't know that. I mean, I'll. I would. I'm happy I got it because I just love Ascension and I like. I right. have to support them. But if it's someone who's just played the crap out of Ascension and they have all the expansions, I don't know that this is going to set itself apart so much. In fact, right. it might be more frustrating to someone who plays Ascension a lot because it does change the core uh, gameplay mm-hmm. to uh, to to be different. But it's right. so familiar that it could be, I think, considered maybe frustrating to active Ascension players, which is maybe why it doesn't have a lot of reviews or maybe even plays. Um, for someone like you or someone interested, I mean, wait for a sale or if this is something you can play at a, an event to try it, that probably is the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was like 40 bucks. It's not like a break the bank game. Right. Um, you know, you're not spending sixty, seventy, eighty dollars on the game. So, um, I mean, it's something that I will play more for sure. But um yeah, if you're kinda of burnt out on Ascension, I don't know that this is going to reignite that fire for you. Right. I, I hear you. And like I said, I don't know that I'm necessarily burnt out on it, but it is a thing that I think about going back to and I'm just wonder not why I would go back, but I, I there's just so many things to play, it's really hard to go back to something where you it's a fun experience and you know what it is, but it's just, you know, how do you continue to go back to it after all that time? So, but I'm glad you enjoyed it as much. I always know that you're going to bring in the hot Ascension news. Which is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, any other games you want to talk about, sir? Oh, 
No, I mean, there's a lot of games I want to play. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with our future two weeks. Maybe I'll get to play more games. <laughs> yeah, we have multiple games set up right now, but we definitely haven't gotten to a ton of them. But, Josh, so I took, obviously, there's a picture on our uh, Twitter that I indicated that, you know, been playing a little Harry Potter, Funkoverse. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that tonight, though, because I definitely want to get it played a couple more times before I talk about it. But, Josh, there's one game that has been a pretty popular game for the last few years and i have not had the opportunity to play it yet it's a pretty straightforward game it's not super complicated but i think you know people might consider it to be a quote-unquote modern classic so if i were to say josh what is a modern classic game that's maybe been released in the last uh, six years or so what what do you think one of those games might be it's a good thing there's only been a few board games that were released in the right. past six but years. Like, modern classic. Well, let me give you a list. And okay. I'm not taking six years into account because I probably messed that up okay. timeline-wise. That's fine. Sagrada, Azul, not Ticket to Ride, obviously, not Carcassonne, because these games. Uh, uh, Villainous? No, okay. you've, you've played I've Villainous, played that. right? Yep. I've played that, yep. <sighs> I will say, you were on the right track for sure. Okay. Uh, That's not a pun? No, that is not a pun. You were just on the right track with the other Uh, games you listed. Okay. I'm on the right track with, like, Azul and Sagrada. Yes. And there's probably one more game that you can throw in that mix, I feel like. and Splendor. That's the one! Oh, you haven't played Splendor before? I had never played Splendor before. Oh. So, Josh, I've now played Splendor. And let me tell you, that game's really simple. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, for and not sure. in a bad way, not in a bad way. But my goodness, was that game real, real simple? And dear listener, Josh has definitely talked about Splendor before. Mm. I had read the rules for Splendor. I had watched people play Splendor, so I kind of feel like I had had the experience. But I never myself had sat down at a table and picked up some chips that represent jewels. Uh, well, let me say the one jewel that's like brownish colored uh, just looks like a candy bar to me. So that's just yeah. what I called it all the time. <laughs> um, it was a candy bar. But uh, yeah, so in Splendor, on your turn, you're basically just doing... Oh, and it is designed by a whole bunch of people, actually. I think there's a lot of people who technically have... Uh, or is published by a whole bunch of people. Mark Andre is the public is the designer. Uh, Space Cowboys, Asmodee, all of them have uh, had some hand in in publishing it. But this is a I don't even know what the the good way to describe the style of game that it is. I, I kind of think it's almost like a family drafting game, really, because you're drafting things from the table. Um, so on your turn, you either collect chips. Um, you can buy or build a card or you can reserve a card. Like that's pretty much all you're doing. And you just pick one of those three things to do on your turn. And then it's the next person's turn. Uh, and it really isn't any more complicated than that. You are just trying to be the first person when a two player game to get to 15 points. And once you do that, you win the game. And obviously the cards are randomized when they come out. So there's a little bit of strategy there trying to think about what your opponent might be looking at, trying to get as far as cards goes and seeing if it makes sense for you to try to cut them off. Uh, but in the end, I really think this game plays pretty solitaire. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Because I, I think there is this desire to look around the table at what everyone else is doing. But I think if you take the time to maybe reserve a card that someone else wants or buy a card that you weren't really going for, but you feel like it might make the other person's life more difficult, it just sets you back a step. In That's accomplishing the key, what you. Yeah, you said it, reserve. People right. who play this game almost, I don't, I have not experienced 
many people playing using reserve properly. So while it definitely can feel like a sol- like almost a solitaire game, if you aren't utilizing your reserve, right. people you're just constantly watching people take what you have been working up to get. Yeah, I could see that. I guess, and maybe how many people have you played this with? Have you played it with the with four? I, no, I've only played it with two at least. Right. I mean, way back when I first got it, I may have played it with four, but not in memory. Right. And all all I have played it with is two. And I'll be honest, in one of the games, I I did a lot of reserving and looking at things and really trying to make sure. But then in the other two games that I played of it, I just one hundred percent focused on what I wanted to do, and that was it. And I yeah. won every single game. I didn't look at all at what the other person was doing. I focused 100% on the most efficient way I could get to the cards that I wanted to get. And I basically, and I felt like this was going to be a bad idea. And maybe if I played against people who were more experienced in the game, it would be. But I pretty much ignored the bottom line. Because the sure. cards, you know how they have like the three stacks of cards. Yeah. I pretty much was like, okay, if cards are worth points, unless it is a card that is using resources or gems that i have that i don't need anytime soon like then i will take like a low one but if it's yeah. you know i'm I'm going up right away so i don't know i like it it's pretty fun it is even light than i thought lighter than i thought it was going to be i think production quality i think is not that great because the chips are nice but the cards are really thin really really yeah. thin yeah <laughs> like you shuffle them once and they bend really hardcore so I think for the price, because retail, I think, is $40, it really doesn't feel like it's worth the price. It is a fun game, though, and a really easy way to get people into the game. The box insert is great, Mm -hmm. and realistically, the box insert is really necessary because that box is way too big for what's inside of the box. Because the box is pretty huge, and there's, like, I don't know, 50 or 60 cards and, you know... 15 or 20 chips and then the box is massive so um yeah it's a good insert everything fits in there nicely have you played with the expansion at all i have the expansion we haven't played with it yet and i'll be honest with you the only reason why we haven't played with it yet is because the expansion is three separate expansions oh really inside and you can choose to play them individually or together and i just really didn't while we do own it i was a little stressed out about um, because when we play a game, we don't we typically have time for one game, right? Right, right. And like, if we could sit down and be like, "Hey, we're gonna play each of the expansions once," mm-hmm. like I would, like I would have already done that, like no, no question. Right. So I'm, I'm just a little stressed out about that. Um, until I can like figure out in my life time where I can sit down for you know four hours with my wife and play board right. games <laughs> no for sure so and here's probably my other problem of why I'm probably more lukewarm on this game than a lot of other people are because the overall rank for Splendor on board game Beak is 148 right it's ranked yeah. really highly it's so uh, it's so accessible that's why well it is super accessible but also Josh I don't know when I would play this game if I was trying to decide what games to play and yeah. I looked at Splendor and then I looked at Century Golem Edition. I don't yep. know why I would pick Splendor. Like, I just don't know why I would. It has a great app. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Just so you know. <laughs> okay, good to know. Good to know. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Overall, Splendor. You know, maybe I did play the app once. Now that you say that. We played the, we played the app exclusively while my wife was pregnant while sitting in waiting rooms for doctor's appointments. <laughs> I'm wondering now if I played the app. Because as I was playing it, I'm like, I know all of this. And it, I couldn't tell if it was just from enough osmosis from had being reading the very simple instructions before or watching other people play it. 
But I was like, I feel like I know what I'm doing. So maybe I've played the app and I don't even remember, which probably tells you how much I love the game. (laughs) (laughs) So, but if you're looking for a pretty straightforward game uh, that plays up to four players, uh, you know, Board Game Geek says the best number of players is three. Uh, So I would be interested to play it with more because, like I said, I've only played it with two. Um, And just for note, Josh, if you were curious, the number of players who have rated Splendor on Board Game Geek. 51,616. That's more than Ascension, Skulls, and Sails. Uh, that is also more than just Ascension. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But 2014, I forgot this game came out that long ago. It's definitely an old game, yeah. Yeah. I, and I think when we did our list, right, mm-hmm. I think I'm definitely becoming um, uh, old and senile when it comes to years the board games have been Oh, released. no. I, I, it's okay. <laughs> I totally understand. Uh, so that's the biggest thing I've been playing on my table. I have a couple other things set up that I said we've dabbled in, like I said. So look for reviews about Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle, or not Hogwarts Battle, Harry Potter, Funkoverse, um, and Orleans are also set up and ready nice. to go. So, and I'll join you on the Harry Potter thing. Probably excellent. We'll probably play that this week. Perfect. Awesome. So that's it for board games and things on our tabletop. Josh, what have you been playing on your television? Oh, so many things, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, your list is way bigger than mine is because I'm not going to lie. Uh, work has been ridiculous because of this whole going to remote stuff. So I have not played many video games at all. So I'm yeah. excited to hear about your list. Well, I'm going to, I don't know what order I'm going to do this, but first I'm, I'm, I'm going to mention there's this game. I'm just going to say it's a Kevin, it's a Kevin game, which means it might be a U game. It's called uh, Piku Niku. It's on Game Pass. So it's, it's uh, on Xbox right now. It mm. might be on other consoles, but I tried it because it's on Game Pass. Um, it's a quirky, weird Devolver digital game. So that's all I probably have to say about that. Um, it's quirky. It's funny. Uh, and it's, I will call call it a platformer, I guess. You play a, a blob with long legs. I don't know that I, I have learned what it is yet. If you ever mm-hmm. find out, um, I don't want to say too much. I'm just going to keep it for our PSVG friends and say it's a Kevin game. Okay. And I'm it's on Game Pass, so try it. Yeah, I'm looking at this, and I've definitely seen the cover art for it before. It's also on Switch, I know. Okay, so cool. I would assume I would assume PC as well. But yeah, I've definitely seen this cover before. But okay, good to know. Yeah. Um. Uh. While speaking on Game Pass, I did finally download and play Lonely Mountains Downhill, uh, which I've heard people talk about. Um. And then I think, you know, I was just like, I need games that are like short. That right. I can play in small things. So I, I yeah. boot up Lonely Mountains Downhill, and then four hours later, I'm like, I'm still playing this game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, super simple, really fun. Uh, you're on a dirt, well, you're on a yeah, dirt bike, mountain, not dirt bike, you're on a mountain bike or a BMX mm-hmm. bike, and you're literally going downhill. You can go faster, you can brake, and you can uh, speed up. Those are the mm-hmm. three things you can do. Uh, it's a very uh, simply simple, beautiful game. Right. Like there's not a lot to it graphically, but it is still like a beautiful looking game. Mm-hmm. It's challenging. Uh, each course has like an explore difficulty, then easy, medium, and hard. Okay. And if you you complete explore, it unlocks easy. You complete easy, it unlocks another course. So oh, far, okay. at least so far for me. I think eventually I'll have to complete medium to get more unlocks. Mm-hmm. Um, you crash, you have checkpoints, uh, the controls are sometimes reversed if you're watching, if you're coming down towards you, 
Oh, okay. But then if you're going forward, the controls are back to how you would expect them to be, right? Goes right. Um, honestly, I would just say this is a game if you have Game Pass, download it, try it. You will just keep playing it, I feel. Uh, it's fun. It, it just, uh, it's really uh, unique and, and uh, dare I say, exciting. Uh, <laughs> I played some of the beta for Bleeding uh-huh. Edge. How was it? Uh, it's not for me. Okay. It's like a bad Overwatch. Okay. (laughs) That's some great praise. (laughs) It's got Overwatch vibes. Um, I don't want to call it bad. It's just not, um, there's a lot, I don't want to say there's a lot to it. It has three different, um, game modes. Mm -hmm. The characters are very diverse, but they still have like the, um, healer, the tank and the attack characters. Right. Um, each character has three abilities. Uh, I believe some of them have a special on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. Like there's this thing, like if you want to traverse the map quicker, you can use a hoverboard, but I don't, it takes so long to even get your hoverboard going. That right. I don't feel like it's worth it by the time you're, you're traveling the speed unless, <laughs> unless there's a really slow character I haven't used yet. Um, it's not Okay, it's not bad. It's just not a game that I need in a multiplayer like bat, like shooter. It's not right. even a shooter in like the, in that genre, that Overwatch yeah. genre. Except it's third you. person. It's not first person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but try it. I mean, if you can do the beta or you have Game Pass because it's coming to Game Pass, you can give it a shot. Speaking of Game Pass, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I was like, that's out fully this month, like in the, a week or two, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's out pretty soon. I'm yeah. not 100% sure. Um, speaking of Game Pass, so Ori and the Will of the Wisps dropped last week, and I thought, well, I should give Ori and the Blind Force another shot. So mm-hmm. I downloaded that, I started playing, and I was actually enjoying it quite a bit until I got to uh, this one spot where I just died like 30 times in a row, and it, okay. I had Celeste flashbacks. Okay. I had flashbacks of every platformer game I've ever hated. Uh-huh. Um, so even the beauty of Ori couldn't keep me playing. I stopped. I immediately quit and uninstalled it. And then I tried Will of the Wisp just to see if I would enjoy it more. Uh-huh. Um, I only got in, uh, into the opening for Will of the Wisp. And then I had to be productive with my day. So I don't have more on that. Okay. Uh, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> Moving on. Um <laughs> I played some more GTA V with Lucas from Flux Deposed and PSVG Prime fame. Um, and it felt real good, actually. We actually found a chat client that works for us now, so we can oh, nice. hear each other while we talk. That doesn't kill system resources. Um, and we actually did a mission that was like relatively um, challenging, and f- mm-hmm. but we had, a, we had a lot of fun. Right. Um, I think we're finding our stride. So now like we have our own little crew. Very cool. own little PSVG clan, and you know we're just having fun. So, and that's on PC, by the way. So, if anyone wants to try to get in on uh, GTA Five on PC with Lucas and I, typically on Saturday nights, let me know. So, are you playing with a controller when you play? You know, I am. Um, I've tried the keyboard. The controls for GTA Five are just so different than most action shooters right uh, especially with like what runs and how you run like tapping Mm -hmm. the button um i just find it because i don't play pc enough 
It's right. It's so foreign to me that I always end up messing it up. Right. But because you can just pick up the mouse, I do use it for like navigation and menus. Gotcha. Okay. Which is nice. Uh, Lucas does play with keyboard typically. Uh, where are we here? Okay. I have played Call of Duty Warzone on both consoles now. Uh, I'm not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm I'm having a struggle because the battle pass is so much more prevalent in this than it is in Apex. Right. Or Fortnite where I, where I actually feel like I need to have the battle pass. Uh-huh. For Warzone, but I'm, I know I'm not going to play it enough, so I right. haven't purchased it. Uh, what I can say is I really am, like, dying to play with people I know. Okay. Um, because I've been playing with strangers, and it it can be pretty frustrating to watch uh, strangers ignore you uh, and not help you out. Right. And that, I, have not, I haven't really run into that in Apex for some reason. Mm-hmm. It seems to be more um, teammate-friendly. For strangers, well, for strangers, play for me. I'm not yeah. saying that Call of Duty isn't, but <laughs> my experience is, is people will stand right next to you calling for help and they will just look right at you and not help you. <laughs> yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me for a Call of Duty game at all. That doesn't yeah. surprise me one bit. As someone who plays a lot of Call of Duty, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, so I just feel like it, it's not as welcoming to newcomers, I guess. It would probably be the best way to describe that for me. Yeah. Um, or people who myself don't think i'm very good however that being said i think it's very intuitive they did a great Mm -hmm. job with the map especially showing you the names of the places you're dropping which is a huge small change but it has a huge impact for me um i like the aspect of dropping a parachute killing it dropping it again like it helps out with the timing and the landing and trying to get where you're going i like the weapons like you can access loadouts if you have the full version of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things are are pretty great. I like that the progression is it's cross progression for your regular game if you're right. playing Warzone. Um, it looks great. It plays great. I've had a few slowdowns, um, but I'm assuming that's because of server woes that they're getting used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I'm, I really enjoyed it, and yeah, I'm really just dying to get in on some games with. Uh, um, the PSVG crew um, and play some fun games. And that's just a time issue right now. And last, but certainly not least, my commitment at the beginning of this year was to play my Switch more. Yes, it was. Not only did my wife just buy a new Switch, <laughs> the Animal Crossing <laughs> one, when she was going to Target to get toilet paper, but they were sold out and she saw a line and wondered, what's this line for? <laughs> oh, it's for the Switch. I think I'll get it. There you go. Even though she just bought a Switch Lite. <laughs> so if anyone wants to buy a Switch Lite for me at a pretty good price, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> um, I I got Super Mario Maker 2, mm-hmm. two days before Mario Day. So technically, I spent $20 more than I should have because <laughs> uh, I wasn't thinking. Yeah. Um, I haven't done too much with it. I, I've done the tutorial, and I have created uh, one level, okay. which... I uploaded when I realized I wasn't really happy with my final outcome yet. Oh. So I uploaded it a little prematurely, but that level is out there. I can share it. Uh, just like I'll share my Switch friend code at some point. <laughs> um, I really enjoy, like we talked about our whole thing about what we would do in the game industry if we could like pick jobs. Right. And I picked level designer. Like this game 
is this it's just right up my alley. You design the level, and then you play through it, and then you change what didn't work, and then you play through it again, and then you make tweaks. And I'm just really enjoying that aspect. It even like caters to my OCD because you can change everything right uh, to an extent. Um, so yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm still like learning how everything works control wise. Um, but I could, the first level I did was a like super Mario 3d land level. So it was like the, the, the I guess you'd call it the new traditional Mario game. Um, I don't know what level I'll do next. Cause you can do Mario three original Mario. Oh, I did like the super Mario land one, not the 3d okay. world one. Um, so you can do all those. So I'm really looking forward to trying out more. Um, I did a regular, you know, standard level, forest level. I think I'll do like an underground level or water one next. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but I'm having a lot of fun. It's it's great. Uh, and I and I even pitched it to my friend who was over for my son's birthday when they're trying to get their son into the Switch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this game is like perfect for creativity. Like right. If you want your son to learn how to be creative in gaming, this is awesome. This is a great game for that. And then my buddy like immediately saw I had Diablo on there and started playing Diablo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, those are all my games. And probably there was probably more that I, yeah, some PC games I left out. So Um, a little of this, a little of that. Because I tried the NVIDIA thing that we talked about. Yeah. The GeForce thing. I played Gloomhaven on my phone. Uh Uh-huh. And I played, shoot, I can't remember what else I played. Um, Another game on my phone. And it worked worked real well. That's good. Um, so, yeah. So, I can play Gloomhaven on my phone now through Steam. So, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that is cool. Uh, yeah. So, my video gaming has been uh, a lot of the things I've talked about in the past. Obviously, there uh, is an Overwatch event going on right now. So, playing a lot of Overwatch when I'm playing games. And also, still working my way through The Division 2 again uh, <laughs> on PlayStation this time. Uh, I do have to down. I haven't even downloaded Warzone yet, so I should probably do that so we can play oh, together. Yeah, let's play yeah, together. Yeah, I haven't even I haven't even updated my Call of Duty game just because my Call of Duty game is like 130 gigs right now. Uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous how big that file is, and now adding another 20 gigs to it for Warzone. Woohoo! Uh, which I shouldn't talk though because I think Division Two is well over 100 gigabytes as well. Um, yay for the future of games when everything <laughs> is 4K textures. This is gonna be so good. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> So that's mostly what a lot of my time has been spent in is those is those two games. However, Josh, I did download finally and start a game that I have been meaning to play for quite some time. Ooh, 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 ooh. Forza Horizon 4. No, no. <laughs> Shoot. But this is it was the, the debate between Forza Horizon 4 and this game, and I went with this game, but Forza's on the list still. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think you believe me, but it is. It's actually downloaded. Uh-huh. Uh, so as along with Lonely Mountains Downhill. But this game I've been meaning to play for a very long time because it's a, a style of game that I like a lot. And I hadn't really gotten into it. But Josh, let me just ask you a quick question. Yes. When somebody says Xbox to you, what are the games, the game series that immediately come to mind? Gears of War, Halo, New Gentleman Master Chief Collection? I'm not talking about that. <laughs> okay. Um Gears of War. Halo, uh, Azure, that blue dude, um, <laughs> um, Fable. Okay. And Forza, right? Yeah. 
I said for no, I didn't I say know. Forza. Well, you didn't in this group, but you said just before. But oh, right, like yeah, yeah. when people hear Xbox, they think of Gears, they think of Halo, they think of Forza. Like these are the things that come to people's mind. And I'm someone who likes Gears. I like Halo. I've never played Forza because I'm not a huge driving person. But you know, when when people talk about Xbox, I like those games. Uh, I really enjoyed, and I'm totally blanking uh, the name of it. The one zombie game, State of Decay. Really State liked the decay, first State yeah. of K. Wasn't a huge fan of the second one, but really liked the first State of Decay. Josh, I have now played a game that I think at this point is my favorite Xbox franchise, period. Franchise. So it's multiple games? Yeah. And it's exclusive to Xbox? Yeah. And it's not Sunset Overdrive? No. Oh, did you play Crackdown 3? I did not. Oh. <laughs> Should play Crackdown One? <laughs> no, I didn't do that either. I mean, I did that in the past, but not recently. Uh, the answer, Josh, is a game that you referred to as well, and that's Ori in the Blind Forest. Oh boy, okay. <laughs> I absolutely adore this game, and I'm a person who loves platformers. We've talked about this before. Hmm. That though my platformer joy is not so much in the Mario realm, it's very much like in the Rayman realm. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Ori, I think, does an amazing job of mixing the platforming together with that Metroidvania, whatever you want to call it, exploration thing <laughs> i guess for lack of a better word that games do and i really enjoy the atmosphere the graphics the sound the challenge which you as you mentioned is pretty significant yeah i like the cool save mechanism that they have involved in there that you can kind of almost save whenever you want to as long as you just save up a little bit of energy sometimes you're dumb and you save when you only have one life left like like yeah. health yeah. part <laughs> left which is stupid i may or may not have done that one time but I always thought I would really enjoy this game. And having Will of the Wisps come out told me, okay, it's really time for me to jump in and play Ori. So I downloaded Ori in the Blind Forest, downloaded Will of the Wisps, but I figured I'm sure they have improved or added things for the second one. So let's start with the first one. Uh, and I am absolutely in love with this game. I think it is a, uh, something very special. Mm. And granted, I'm not, I haven't finished it yet, um, but this is, at this point, Maybe I'm talking with a little bit of hyperbole here, but I think this is easily my favorite Xbox franchise now. I just, there, I have nothing bad to say about it. <laughs> like, I just really, really enjoy this. And my uh, partner was sitting next to me while I was playing it, and she's like, my goodness, this is a beautiful game. The, mm. the sound is amazing. The beginning is really sad. Like, I mean, not The Last of Us sad, but really sad. Uh, so yeah, I just, this is a really special, cool thing that Xbox has. And, you know, I, I hear overall really positive things about the second one that maybe there's a couple of little technical things, but overall really good things about it. So I'm excited to play that. And yeah, I think it's just a cool little thing that you see Xbox putting resources into games like this. Yeah. And, you know, this is not a thing that PlayStation is doing really anymore as someone like myself, who's a pretty hardcore PlayStation person. Um, it it kind of stinks that I have to go to Xbox to get experiences like this, but I'm really glad that Xbox <laughs> is putting the time and, and energy um, into games that are like this. And like I said before, you know, Xbox did an awesome job of expanding their studios and bringing on a lot of different groups um, into their first party. I will say most of the teams they brought in do not make games that I typically like to play, but... The thing is, is they now have studios who will make games for just about everyone, whereas PlayStation is pretty singularly focused at this point on third-person yeah. action, story-driven action games, which, granted, yes, they have Polyphony. They have these other studios who do other things, like MLB The Show is one of the best sports games released every year. Um, Gran Turismo, way, way, maybe it's not as good as it used to be and it is not quite up to the standards of Forza anymore. It's still a very good game. 
Like yeah. they have other things, but for the most part, those real marquee titles that are coming out of PlayStation Studios these days are similar styles of games from a how you play them standpoint. Um, so I just think it's really exciting that Xbox is doing these things. Um, you know, so yeah, Ori, I think it's great. I'm going to keep playing it. Uh, it, it actually, I was debating between that and Lonely Mountains Downhill, and then I started <laughs> playing Ori and then played Ori for like four hours. So. Yeah, I would I'm agree. Really... It's beautiful. The soundtrack, I played it when we were playing games uh-huh. that, that night because the soundtrack is incredible. Yeah. It does have a good story as well. Um, and I was enjoying it for the most part. Um, but yeah. But I knew I knew this would be a great game for you because uh, of how much you like platformers. So I'm happy yeah. that I'm happy that you enjoy it. And like I said, I think that's the, the cool thing about this is that this game isn't for everyone. I think, you know, should people try it? For sure. Oh, yeah. But if, yeah. If, but, but if you're not in platformers and you're not into, you know, things like that, this game might not be for you. But that's okay. And I and I am just very happy that it exists and that Moon Studios is out there doing their thing and, and bringing these cool things to life. So that's awesome to see. So, all right, Josh. Any other video game things that you want to talk about from what we've played? Well, I just want to talk because... It came up in our Discord today, and I thought it was topical because, well, it was about basically what we're going through right now. Today, there were 20 million people who were on Steam. Yep. That's insane. That's all. Yeah, yeah, it's breaking (laughs) records everywhere. So Yeah, because, well, yeah, because no one else has anywhere to go. (laughs) Right, for sure. All right, so we're going to move on. Topic of the show tonight uh, is a, definitely a one-parter. It might be a two-parter. depends on how much time we have. The two-parter would be a surprise to Josh, so we'll see how it goes. But also related to all of the things we talked about at the start of the episode, E3 is officially canceled. Oh, no. So no E3 2020 this year. So the big question then is what is next? Should E3 ever return? Which some people might say, that's jumping to a huge conclusion. But... <laughs> You know, I think no, it's a question you sound worth like asking. The internet right now. I know. I, I think it's a question not. worth asking. Should everyone just go to digital presentations <laughs> or standalone fan events? Josh and I are going to solve the E3 problem. So we're going to come up with what should happen, what we think is going to happen, um, just for the rest of this year, what the company should do, but also then moving into the future. You know, if E3 should or should not return, if it does, what it should look like, all that good stuff. So to start with, Josh, when you first heard the news that E3 was gone, and I'm going to actually put a pause on this really quick, board gamers. I understand this is a, not a uh, board game thing, but at this point, we haven't had a major, major board game convention canceled yet. But we now also that, have fixed board game conventions just we recently. Have fixed that. We did do that just recently. But if like Gen Con or uh, anything like that, Origin, something like that gets canceled, obviously we would talk about that. The same, that just hasn't, I, I feel like they're going to, too. Uh, that just hasn't happened yet. So anyway, E3, Josh, Yeah. when you first heard it was canceled... What what do you think? What was your response? <clears throat> well, the first thing I thought was, uh, it's a good thing we didn't plan something around it. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I think we had a lot of time leading up to it for it to not be a surprise. Um, so I wasn't shocked. But uh, I think I'm probably more disappointed than the general gamer at this point at least based on how people are reacting to it. Um, so, yeah, I was disappointed. It's a bummer that that this... It's like... It's not to the extent of Christmas being canceled, but it's this event that you plan on every year happening and you're, right. that I'm genuinely excited about mm-hmm. that is no longer happening. 
So yeah. it's a it's a huge letdown. No, I agree, and I was disappointed too. I think sometimes I get painted as the person who thinks E three is not as important as it used to be, which I, I don't necessarily think it is as important. But I still have a lot of fun every sure. year when the E three press conferences happen and all those things are going on. I think it is a a cool, fun, interesting experience. And I was also disappointed, but I, you know, like most people, kind of saw it coming. I felt like that so many things changed, you know, in the course of a little over a week where, no, we're still going on as planned. Everything is happening. We covered last week the news that I Am 8-Bit was out of helping with the creative part of it. And then, you know, they went from, yes, we're still happening, to no, it's not happening in the course of about 48 hours. Right. So it was a very, very quick turnaround, which many things were, you know, with... NBA seasons, NHL seasons, the start of Major League Baseball, the XFL, yeah. March Madness, everything else that's going along with it. But so I was disappointed for sure. So, Josh, what do you think is the best course of action, though? Uh, you know, Xbox and Phil have come out and said that, oh, we're going to do some digital stuff. Yeah. You know, obviously, Nintendo has been doing digital stuff. PlayStation has been doing digital stuff. What would you like to see these companies do moving forward? You know, especially in what is potentially a console launch year. Now that's up in the air too. Right. But, you know, assuming if we still have consoles launching this year, you know, what do these companies do and what does Nintendo do to combat, you know, the hype for these things to ensure students, ensure uh, (laughs) people who are interested are aware of them, that they know this is coming out. Like, how do they handle this moving forward? What do they do? So it is interesting because I think we've kind of generally, really moved away from like um random video game trailer releases right like a like la music videos work mm-hmm. so that, th- so when you said it, it like the first thing that popped into my head was like we are now at a point where i don't know that microsoft or sony can put a put something together right now because they don't know just like we don't know right so right if they do have to, to delay the PS5 or the, the Xbox, they have to be mindful of their presentation. So what do we do? Do we still do something in June? Yeah, because you still have games coming out on this generation of consoles. Um, and, and Microsoft is probably a little easier to navigate right. than PlayStation because they've already said, like, we have two years of non-exclusive games. And we know PS5 is going to have exclusive console games. Right. Um, so it'll be trickier, I think, for a PlayStation to work around that aspect of it. Like, just the, like, if you were just to put out, like, a presentation for video games releasing, mm-hmm. it'll be harder for a PlayStation to navigate that to have comparable titles, which isn't necessarily the most important thing. But if you're trying to get volume out there and you're not going to show consoles, you right. need to be able to show games. Right. But, but what I think is going to be important isn't um, how many conferences, if there are any, if they're digital, whatever it is. I think it's going to be if someone does it, everyone needs to do it. So, like, even if, like, Ubisoft's like, hey, it's June 8th, whatever, whatever the date is, we're going to put out a 35-minute Ubisoft digital presentation. I think it's going to be very important for Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo and all these people to come out and do something in that window of things 
for the consumer. Uh, not It's not going to sell consoles. Right. It's not going to uh, kill them. But I mm-hmm. think when you want to keep your customer base engaged, it's the people who put something out are, that are going to get the attention. So like if, I, if Xbox did a digital direct and Sony didn't, I'm not saying Sony's going to lose the console war. They're, they're not. But it's going to put in people's minds. I'm very excited about these Xbox games I saw. Maybe I'll go pre-order it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And if Sony puts one out and Microsoft doesn't, I think that it's just a small fraction of sales, but it's still the first sales potentially right. for whoever's trying to make headway in this competition. And even even though Microsoft said they're not competing with Sony, right? Um, they are for as far as consumers are concerned. Maybe they right. aren't in their business meetings, but uh, consumers are still pitting them against each other. Yeah. It is interesting. Do you want them all like the week that would typically have been E3? Do you want Ubisoft and Xbox and Nintendo? And now we heard apparently Warner Brothers was going to have their (laughs) first ever E3 thing. And do you want them and Square? Do you want them all doing something that week just digitally? That Warner Brothers one is such a bummer. I know. If it's Uh, true, if it's not just like someone saying something because they know they don't have to do it. Right. um, It probably would have been the 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 winner of E3 with the list right? of games. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I would like them to do it because people still plan on stuff around E3. Right. Uh, so it would be nice for them. They don't, honestly, they don't have to do it. There could right. be this weird, like, insider conference call with all the studio heads and then they just go, we're not going to do it in June. And everyone's like, okay, we won't. Right. And then, you know, it would be what it is. Uh, People would just be looking forward to when the next thing is that's going to happen. However, we have to be aware of the countries that these studios are from and what they're going through. Right. And it might not be even within the realm of doing something in June if they're suffering casualties. Imagine if it was a studio in Italy. Yeah. Like nothing's going to happen in Italy for months because they're just going to have to recuperate. Right. So, uh, you know, that has to be said, um, but ideally, assuming everyone can go back to work, do the jobs that they were doing, Right. June is the best time to do it because people expect it. You already have your audience there. They're waiting. You don't have to worry about people seeing it on different days. Everyone's going to see it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and obviously PSVG is a tiny, tiny little organization in a world full of IGNs and Kotakers right. that have already dedicated this time frame for E3, and they're probably right. still expecting Microsoft to release that the same day they were going to have their press conference. So, right, you have to. I think they have to take that into accountability too. So, do you think would it be more exciting for you if you know over the course of three days, you know, every big studio just released some sort of 30 to 60 minute digital trailer of stuff and things and announcements or would it be better that starting you know in the second or third week of may running through the end of june every week one company went basically and was like monday at x time you're getting an hour from xbox and then the following week you're getting an hour from warner brothers like would that be more exciting so where it's spread out more or do you really want it in that tight compact time 
No, actually, uh, that's probably better. Um, one of the big things about E3 is trying to watch everything and knowing you can't because they cross over each other and you can't watch Bethesda and Devolver because there's an hour crossover. Not that those are the two big ones you want to watch, but uh, uh, th- as an example. so Or you don't have to wake up at such and such time to watch Nintendo. You know that maybe it's the only... That day, it's a mm-hmm. Wednesday. You're only getting a Nintendo Direct. Right. And then you can plan for that. So, yeah, I mean, if they can space it out more, for sure, that would be better for everyone. Right. Absolutely. I I agree. I think it would be fun if they did spread it out some. And I do hope that, you know, I know that Nintendo has done a great job of kind of showcasing the best way to do these digital presentations. And I might be in the minority. I, I do think the 90 minutes to two hour conferences were a little long like those were starting oh, yeah, to get a little long sure. in the tooth but i would take a solid 60 minute video presentation that excuse me went in depth on some things but then was showing trailers in between i would totally be down for that and i hope that's something that you know they're really considering doing and, and that they don't just think that they have to do something for only 20 or 30 minutes right because uh, i would like something a little beefier a little heavier uh that i think would be cool so with this said, Josh, you know, there are people out there who are now like, oh, this is the death knell. There's no reason for E3 to come back. Right. And I think, you know, depending on how the rest of the year goes, I think is going to be a better judge of that, right? If the, you know, the big companies who typically invest millions of dollars of being at E3, if sales and everything seem like within projections and all that good stuff without having been there, yeah. I think it would be hard to justify spending millions of dollars again to go back to E3. Yeah. But I don't think it's a simple thing we can just say right now without with very definitively like some people have been saying. But if you were in charge, if you were in charge of the ESA, you were the person who had to make all of these decisions. Do you think there's any part of them that not again, not trying to make light of anything, but is like, okay, we now have this chance, right? We Because of everything going on, we truly have the opportunity to step back, reevaluate, and put a huge effort into making E3 2021 what we think is going to be best for consumers, for retail, for our publishing partners, and look at something like GamesCon or uh, the, the or the Tokyo Game Show or something like that and say, hey, we're going to take the cues from there or even things like PAX and say, okay. Let's reinvent ourselves. We have over a year to do it now. Is that what you'd like to see them do and and come more to having some part of a a fan days as well as press days that are separate? Would you like them to go back to the quote-unquote olden days where it was all more focused on press and and retail? Do you want to go more fully fan like packs? Like what are your thoughts about how it should come back next year if it does? So, I was trying to find the tweet while you're talking um I just didn't realize who it was. Uh, when originally I was thinking about E3, like in this context, um, I kind of I kind of tend to agree with that general statement. Like it probably doesn't need to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I started to be, I thought it was from Alana Pierce, but I I don't think it was. Um, E3 is a lot is is way more about the smaller studios and companies. It's kind of like Sundance. You go can you go out and you're trying to get your film sold, right? So you have all these small companies going out to E3 and they're trying to sell their games and they have all this time with Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo because they're all there. They're all under kind of one roof. It's a little strayed now, 
they're adjacent to each other mm-hmm. and they set up these meetings and these companies, these people that have booths, very much like packs, like independent right. companies, they have this time where everyone is there. It's not the indie showcase convention. It's not the whatever, like indie games con con. It's right. this place where you're on level footing with Microsoft and Sony and, you, and people who go to see Microsoft, they're going to walk by your booth. They might not play your game, but they have access to your game. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that are really going to hurt. Like, they're not spending millions of dollars on a booth. They spent, you know, $300 for a, a plastic table and, and <laughs> right. awning, you know? Right. And and those are the people that are really going to hurt. So, if this was a thing that E3, and obviously they had some issues with E3 themselves, had their own issues getting things up and going and maybe some integrity issues and things like that. Right. If the ESA wants to keep doing this, maybe uh, get some different coordinators. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Microsoft and Sony say to them, you know, we're not going to come next year, maybe try to uh, change the focus of what E3 is. Right. Or rebrand it so that right. people still go. You need people to show up. So right. maybe you give Microsoft money to come. Now, Microsoft's still there. Maybe they're not going to do their huge press conference, mm-hmm. but they're still bringing people in right and then that way you still give um uh i'm blanking on the word you give uh these small companies access to people Mm -hmm. that wouldn't normally see them or wouldn't normally go to a pax because it's you know e3 is e3 so i i don't know it's very tricky uh all i do all i can say is that i learned a lot more I enlighten myself more on what E3 is about than just these big press conferences, which is right. what I used to know it to be about. Right. Yeah. I, and part of me wonders, though, if that if E3 went away, there would be other venues for that to happen, right? Like, that's what happens at GDC as well already, which obviously yeah. didn't happen this year either. So I think <laughs> I think this year is just going to be particularly hard for that. Yeah. But if but if E3 went away, like, you still would have GDC in theory. Um, you do have – and then maybe things like PAX – for us-based developers become more important and that maybe microsoft and sony make a bigger point of going to pax and just like they do you know when they go to gamescom and when they go to tokyo game show and that's how they connect with the indie developers in those places maybe it is you know there are so many things already um but yeah you know and i think that you're right that is a big part of what e3 was and a part that we uh as fans didn't necessarily see I think potentially there's different ways for that to happen. I don't think that E3 is the only way it can happen. Sure. Uh, and maybe it is, you know, you think about like the Indie Mega Booth. Maybe the Indie Mega Booth starts being someone who um, puts on a small show like once a year that you have quote unquote buyers or people from Nintendo and Microsoft and Sony and Devolver and whoever coming to to try to sign games, right? There's potentially other ways these things can happen. Um, but I think this year just having the rug pulled out without another option does make it very challenging for those developers. And I do think it's possible that we'll see a little bit of a drought as far as support for indie games, or it's going to be harder for them to really get themselves noticed. They're going to have to push really hard and do a lot more work on their own to get noticed. So, you know, I I would like E3 to come back, but I do think it should come back probably a little bit different. And I think fortunately or unfortunately, um, they need to kind of decide whether they want to go the more of the packs side or if they want to go more of the business side. Cause I think it's really hard to split the difference without yeah. 
kind of splitting your show, which is what they do in other places where, you know, Germany and Japan, where it's like, okay, a couple days of press only and business things only. And then we have, you know, fans the next couple days. Like, unless they go fully that route, I think it's going to be very challenging for them to be successful with this hybrid model they're going with. Excuse me. But I would like it to come back because, like you said, I do think it is fun. I think it's if it comes back in the way of press conferences and trailers and all that stuff, I do think those are fun. I also, though, really don't know uh, how much they're needed. I think if Nintendo just stopped doing them, because um, I think Nintendo really has shown that, like, when they do directs, Nintendo fans freak out. Like Nintendo fans freak yeah. out about the, when po- they don't do the po- right about the possibility <laughs> of there maybe being a direct. Yeah, right. Like it's that's all it takes. Obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it takes. So so imagine if for Microsoft's fans, for Sony's fans, if they got that excited about instead of you know once or twice a year, we get a little bit of news every you know eight to twelve weeks. Yeah. How exciting would that be? And how much more cool? How much more plugged in would you feel? To what is going on, right? Yeah. Because you talked about, I think, which is interesting, you know, when we talk about the future of games, what games are coming in the future, and how it's important for them to get those words out. Like, you know, we know, obviously, uh, for PlayStation, Ghost of Tsushima, the last really big, probably, AAA exclusive for PS4, it's coming in June. Yeah. We really don't know a lot of PS5 games yet. Uh, but also for Xbox, like, and we know Halo... Yep. And uh, eventually Hell- the Hellblade sequel, and eventually, I think the other game that, oh shoot, the Outer Worlds um, developer, they have that little game about, like, basically, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids of the game. Oh, yes. I can't think of but the I, name of it. Yeah, but I can't I remember if that, about. Yeah, but I don't remember if that's, cr- like, sooner than, you know, then, but, like, we really don't know. Yeah, for most of like Xbox's studios, either like what they're doing, right? But we do know those will be on Game Pass and work on the current Xboxes, right? Which is why I'm not buying an Xbox Series X. Yeah, why? Why would you <laughs> at this point? <laughs> well, if you go to our Discords, that's apparently the wrong decision. So, but anyway, that's not here nor there. Um, anyway, I think we can both agree, though. It is sad. It is disappointing. There's going to be no E3 this year. Yes. Yeah, I mean it's a bummer for for 100 for sure, and and. When you were talking about their future, maybe they should go back to industry only. Maybe they should not yep. open it to the public, and then it's probably more financially feasible for them. Right. And, and part of me thinks that almost would be the better route, just because you have PAX. Yes. Right? PAX exists. Yep. So I, I think it would be kind of cool for them to go back to that, um, which I know probably seems counterintuitive and probably not the way people would want to go. But to me, that seems that's how that show would differentiate itself. Um, you don't right now, you don't lose the pre- stage presentations if it's close to the public. You still get right. those, so yep. that might be better for them. Indeed, indeed. So I will say though, I think I agree. If that Warner Brothers press conference was going to happen, like more than anything, that is the thing I'm disappointed about not seeing. Yeah, that's that would have been huge. Oh, man. <laughs> I really want to know what that Harry Potter game is. Um, we know what it is, remember? Well, I know we saw some screenshots, but that's yeah. all we know. So, all right. And our second topic that I was a maybe, eh, we're going to skip it. It's okay. It was just going to be about the Marvel United thing. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, we're going to skip that. I don't I don't want to be in a sad mood well, anymore. Ne- well, if if we have Eduardo next week, maybe it'd, he'd be a good person to ask about that. <laughs> that would be excellent. So, 
All right, so we're going to move on to listener questions. We do have basically some feedback to a question Josh asked out on the board with video games Twitter. Uh, Josh, you want to kind of walk us through all that? Let's do it. So um, I posted the other day on March 14th. I said, uh, if you're under quarantine or have a work at home, a work from home order, board games are on your list. At least one of us, maybe both. I've had their work schedules changed, and now I can say both. Well, kind of. I guess my work schedule is not changing tomorrow. It's the same. Uh, so, uh, Schplague replies, uh, I'm hoping to modify easier stuff fables to play after nap time. Kevin Austin says, did Defense Against Dark Hearts today? There will be much more. And he wasn't wrong. There was more. There was. Coach Hulk, a man after my own heart, says, risk, of course. Uh, it's been a long time since I played Risk. I really need to play that again. Agreed. I might jump back into the Risk Legacy. I still have an unplayed uh, version of it. Uh, Skinny Matt, he says, no work schedule changes yet. And I know that that has recently changed for him. So looking forward to see what Matt's playing. Uh, I'm going to mess it up. I believe it's take it's T4, K-E-D-4. I'm going to say take it for. <laughs> says i'm trying to get my wife into some board games she always defers to cribbage and yahtzee's however he reached out to us in our discord last week and we gave him some recommendations for two-player games and he said ordered the villainous one based on recommendations from your discord Go so team. i'm excited for that uh seth roy wrote Candyland. so seth is immediately in the doghouse not to be <laughs> followed by devin dias who writes Monopoly is the only way we ever actually finish a game. Now, as much as I love Monopoly, being stuck in a house and not being able to leave with my family, I think Monopoly would be on the last of my list because I would be in the doghouse the way I play Monopoly. Well, and that's my thing. I don't I don't know that I've ever actually finished Monopoly very often. I think usually it just gets to the point where everyone agrees to be done. Someone's like, we're done with this, right? Yeah, that <laughs> has been more my experience for yeah. sure. So obviously, thank you everyone for letting us know what you are playing. Uh, we hope that you can have more game time as this quarantine stuff goes on. And to wrap things up, while we are clearly a gaming podcast, we do want to give you a recommendation for a well-rounded life, something else we're currently into that is helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our listeners this week? Well, I I struggled with this. I didn't really have um, a great one, but um, I did start to uh, watch Westworld Season 2 because I didn't get around to it when it came out. I actually only watched the first episode like what a year ago (laughs) and i just never went back to it so uh, i've started to watch that again tonight as we record on the 15th uh westworld season three premieres uh so i can tell you from season one at least that is an excellent show uh full of incredible acting very cool music uh it's beautiful to look at and you know, really plays on this very interesting theme uh, based off of our old 70s movie. So, um, uh, yeah, check it out if you have HBO uh, or you can get access to the first season on DVD or Blu-ray. And I believe the second season might be out now, too. Um, And I was surprised by your pick. Uh, But uh, also, I will say... (laughs) 
This week on our lineup, I believe we have Knives Out uh, planned to watch this week. So that could nice. be could be my recommendation for next week. Oh, that movie is so, so good. I'm really looking uh, forward to watching it. I don't want to oversell it. I really enjoyed it. So hopefully you enjoyed it too. So I'll back that off a little bit. Uh, and here's the funny thing. I watched part of the first season of Westworld. And for whatever reason, I don't remember if like I ended up canceling my HBO or whatever. I never finished it. Huh. When I saw a commercial for the third season, I sat there and I was watching it. And I go, is this Westworld? Yeah, like, how is this even possible? How is this even the thing? <laughs> so anyway, I clearly need to catch up on Westworld because, whew, okay. Anyway, uh, my recommendation is... <laughs> Something that I don't necessarily think is good, but I just had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and that's Zombieland 2 Double Tap. And I didn't really think about it based on the situation that we're in, that this is probably a bad <laughs> recommendation. But I, I don't know. I really love the original Zombieland. I thought it was great. Zombieland 2 Double Tap, I thought was a fun movie. I don't know if I'd say it was a good movie, but it was a fun movie that goes very quickly. Like... That movie just kind of starts and keeps going. There are cuts in that movie where you're like, I don't even know what's going on anymore because it just keeps pushing forward. It's 90 minutes and it's just done. And I think part of me is just super surprised that, you know, a decade after the first one came out, they were able to get them all back together to do this movie because they have all become far more successful than they were when that first movie came out. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's part of it for me is just the fact that they did that. And I honestly am just surprised that the movie is not complete crap. I'm glad to hear it because I was hearing better reviews. I'm glad to hear it wasn't yeah, terrible. It's not, like I said, it is not a. It is not as good as the first one is. It is definitely not um, a quote-unquote film if you listen to Board With Everything in our <laughs> conversation we've had about that. But I had a lot of fun watching it. And if you enjoyed the first one, I think you will enjoy the second one. I just don't think you should go into it expecting, you know, an Academy Award winning movie. Uh, But that's Zombieland 2, Double Tap. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition, I just put my head on my microphone, so let's throw that in there. Uh, in addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, thanks for the new Facebook followers, by the way. You can find us there at facebook.com slash Board with VG. So feel free to give us a five star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We still haven't had anyone take us up on that incredible Patreon offer last week, so listen to last week's episode if you want to know what that is all about. Also, if you want to... Oh, jeez. Uh, we tag our stuff with Board with VG, hashtag Board with VG. Maybe I'm getting sick. Uh, so uh, so please use that hashtag as well on all social media so we can see what you are up to. Uh, especially uh, if you're home and you're playing board games, just give us that nice hashtag. Uh, and whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video game feed you can find me on xbox live and why so serious oh my god and playstation network kyle you want to take over from here no i got it okay (laughs) you can find me on xbox live and playstation network at why so serious that's s-i-r-r-i-u-s you're welcome to edit that first part out though i probably Uh, won't kyle where can people find you so you can find me in all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, 
all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. Knocking on wood, we hopefully will have a guest next week, so be on the lookout and be excited about that. But remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.